basically how we are doing the podcast uh, in our classes. Uh, what we use, what we need uh, to make it moderately successful. Uh, before we get started, I want to give you a little background about um, ourselves. I am Scott Duarte. You'll, we'll get to you. <laughs> uh, my website is www.eslstudentpublications.com. It is on the top right corner on this. You go there, you can see my students' uh, video podcast that they have produced. I've been doing this for two years now, and uh, during that time, my students have put together roughly 90 podcasts. Now, that's an insane number, and don't start there, okay? And we'll talk about that uh, in a little while, but it shows what you can do. Um, you can also find the podcast on the iTunes store. They're free to download and watch um, whenever you want. It's titled ESL Communicative English Musings. You can go onto the iTunes store and in the little search and you can type in ESL Musings or you can type in my name and it should pop up. <coughs> the other one that will pop up is uh, our co-podcast, www.education.org is my website and he and I do a podcasting show and if you take a look at the green postcard, um, that's our little thing for that. And what we focus on in the podcast is uh, situations and uh, content for ESL teachers, not students. Everybody and their brother, students, students stuff. So we need something to talk to the teachers about uh, problems, uh, issues, ideas, new ideas, old ideas for the classroom. So this podcast is mainly, is aimed mainly at you guys. And your friends, so please tell everyone. At all about. levels, like elementary school, middle school, high school, or just uh, We're okay. focusing a little bit more on higher education, but um, if you send us a question, uh, my mom's a 25-year elementary school teacher, so I'd be happy to do it. Plus, currently right now, I'm teaching, um, doing teacher training for elementary school English teachers in Japan. And, so, and we do bring up, I t I've taught middle school and I've taught high school, both in the States and abroad, so we bring up that as well, but it is predominantly post-secondary. Yeah. Um, now to the good stuff, my students are doing primarily audio, whereas his students are doing primarily video. So we'll hear a couple clips from what my kids are doing as well a little bit later. Alright. So let's start with a pretty cool quote. Um, Oh, yeah. Where is his name? Where is his name? It's coming. It's probably in with his name. Okay. Well, you don't need to know his name. Celeste Frenet of the Frenet movement, uh, he is French, said students should take an active role in technology rather than a passive role. And what's really cool is he said this, if it came up. One more. <laughs> In the 1920s. Now, the modern technology he was talking about was his students were using the printing press to create their own newspapers, and they would exchange them with other French students doing the same. Now, technology has moved a little higher since the printing press, uh, but it's still the same. Our students should be actively using that technology rather than just sitting down and taking a passive role. 
Now, in the classroom, you have two types, if you're using media, you have two types of lessons. You have passive lessons and you have active lessons. So with the passive lesson, basically what your students are doing is just bringing the material into their brains, re rearranging it a little bit, and then answering questions about it. It's very much lecture, repeat, lecture, repeat. Doesn't matter if the particular particular medium is video, audio, or me standing in front of the class. Um, it has its moments. There are things that it is good for. But the retention of the material and the engagement of the students, as you all well know, is generally pretty low. So what we're looking for is an active classroom, an active use of technology. And so what this is, is, I had to make sure it was going to go and back, then my button was going to work. Um, what this is going to be is instead of students just receiving the material, we want them to build the material. And from building the material, they're going to have a much higher motivation rate. They're going to have a much more invested feeling in what's coming out. And as the bonus, they're going to be they're going to have a much higher attention and understanding of the material and why they've made the choices that they have. Okay, now the same thing goes with why is my button? <sighs> Technology. Uh, yeah, yeah technology is great. Great. When it works. <laughs> when it works. It skipped it all the way. I love technology. Okay, the same thing with using um, any type of video in your class. Now, a lot of us use, and I do the same thing, use movie clips or have the students watch it and then work on vocabulary in the scene or uh, comprehension or if you're doing American culture and linking it to that. And that's a very great tool. But what I want is having them actually create it, get off their butts and do it. Americans are not in the habit of drinking Japanese tea. However, that's not true because Japanese drinkers are crazy because it goes well with any food. Japanese usually drink great tea between classes to reduce their stress and feel relaxed. Japanese drink green tea because it's fresh and leaves pleasant aftertaste. No matter how busy Japanese are, they drink at all times like the way the rest of In great day, it's nutritious and makes people skin can say I'm loving it, my students can say keep teeing. <laughs> okay, so at the beginning of the year, uh, we gave our students a survey of what kind of learning styles they preferred out of all seven. So what we're looking at with this chart is some of the basic things that go into lessons, go into how students learn, visual, spatial, social, logical, uh, whether it's a group, so solitary comes into play, verbal, oral, and physical, in case you couldn't read. 
Um, so what we found out, what we found out was we were getting in the audio section, audio section, no, in what the students wanted was an idea that looks mostly like this. They wanted some uh, fairly good section of social and somewhere in the middle for everything else. When you use audio, you end up with a pattern a little bit more like this. It pushes the logical out because they have to decide what's going to stay in the program, what's going to go out of the program. It, for my kids, it's primarily solitary um, because I had them doing one-on-one -on -one projects. They, each student was responsible for their own show and they were completely in charge of how it was going to work. So that particular spine can be adjusted because you could set it up like a radio station where each person is doing a different section in the show. I, I decided to go with solo because I didn't want to deal with a student coming up and saying, oh, but my partner or my group is not available to me, so do it at home by yourself, you'll get it. Verbal, of course, the students are speaking. The oral section comes in because I forced the students to listen to what they produced. If they couldn't understand it, they couldn't turn it in. And so it really helped them pay attention to what they were saying. And I found pr uh, pronunciation really improved pretty well. Now I'd like to test them again now, after it's been a couple months, and see if it, it maintained the rate. But uh, that's for next year. Um, physical, there's not a whole lot to do. You stand in front of the computer or sit in front of the computer and press a couple buttons. So. All right, so let's go back to what the students want. Now for the video component, it pushes everything way out. Vis ah! <laughs> okay. Easy button. Easy button. Visually, they have to think about how they want to shoot, to what angles they want, how they want to convey their uh, the images in their mind onto the film. Then they have to also speak that to the other people of the group. Now, solitary you see is way down because they're all group projects. I'm a mean teacher, I make them work together. So this is great for also teaching them conflict management and resolution. Great life skills on the side of this, okay? Logical, they have to think about what processes they need to get in order to film where they want to film, film who they want to do. If problems arise, how to overcome those problems. Okay, so cognitive skills are also increasing as much as language skills. Um, physical, they're moving all around. They're not doing this in the classroom. This is all outside the classroom. So they're getting a little exercise. Verbal and oral, they have to, they're using English not only in, the, the, in front of the camera, but behind the camera. So they have to use their English in new ways, spontaneous ways that you can't have a dialogue planned for. They have to listen to each other to get the ideas and work well with each other. So it really pushes everything except for solitary. But that's okay because this was also an academic speaking listening. We did plenty of lecture series, plenty of presentations where they worked by themselves. So they had both chances. But for just the video making component, this is what you got. Okay, so that's the basic talk. Now this is what we did to actually be able to walk the walk. Now, when you are <laughs> making podcasts, it, 
We'll even say it doesn't have to be a podcast, making audio or video projects. Okay? Podcasting comes in behind that, after that. You need three things. I hope it's been a while since I rehearsed this. Four things, actually. Tools. You need the right tools in order to create them. You need time. Scheduling time, whether you're going to do it in class, whether you're going to do it out of class. You need organization, a very key one, and structure. <coughs> and then you need accountability. And so we're going to talk about all four of those in more detail right now. Okay, so first we're going to start with the tools. What are the tools that you need for audio project? My kids, I told them, you first project is, you are going to be a DJ. Well, not this kind of DJ. More like this kind. Well, not really this kind either. Um, more like this kind. And so what everything that the student needs is right here on the screen. We have student, we have the labs. Some students did work in, um, lucky enough to have their computers at home with the microphone, and you'll notice that it's a very simple setup, it's easy to maintain setup, and the students are able to work at home. It doesn't have to be a laptop, it can be a desktop, whatever. You could even use a tape recorder for it. The one interesting thing about the picture is this little piece right down here. Um, it's not a weird thing. The pantyhose are to uh, prevent uh, what they call pops. And as everybody knows, P's and T's are plosive, and the diaphragm in the microphone is very, very sensitive to that. So what you do is you take a coat hanger and an old pair of pantyhose or a nylon or something, put it just in front of the microphone, and it takes just enough of the force out of the air to where you don't hit that, have it hammering on your eardrum as a listener. Or you can go to a music store and pay about $40, $50 for that. Yeah, they have very nice metal ones now, but the nylon is cheaper. Um, so what, is, what I did to get my students ready and to, for them to do the work with itself is this program. How many people know about Audacity? Oh, excellent. So I don't have to talk too, too much about it. A little bit. Audacity is a free program. It is available from SourceForge. Uh, legally free. Legally free, not stealing free. Um, it is audacity.sourceforge.com. If you Google Audacity, it'll come up. It's usually the first... Uh, the first result. That's it. Result. I can do it. Oh, and there's the address there. Um, great program, easy to use, have Mac, Mac versions, PC versions, and Linux versions. If you have a Mac at home, GarageBand is fine. Or if you have a Mac um, lab at school, GarageBand works great. This is small, easy, and it doesn't matter. Like at our school, the computer automatically wipes itself after the students log out. So this is about a minute install, so it doesn't take that much time out of the classroom once the students are in the habit of installing it. Some of the other things that they need for video are... <laughs> Alright, so for my class, because we were using, doing so many podcasts, we had two video cameras with two microphones. Uh, now, usually the microphones will have a cord. I photoshopped the cord out of there to plug into the camera. Um, usually the microphones, the built-in microphones on the camcorders, they're not very good. They're great if it's a very static room where you have no other outside noise. 
But beyond that, if they're shooting outside or in a noisy environment, the shotgun microphone, and this one was about $50. Um, it's not the best one. I recently just upgraded. But um, it's good enough for what they need. And it makes the world of difference for capturing sound when they are 10, even 5 feet away from the camera. Um, then I had a backup camera, and I'll tell you why I use the backup camera. Now, this backup camera, you can have a regular mini DV camera for your backup, or I just went and bought, this was about $100, and it still, it uses an SD card, and it's really crappy quality, but I'll tell you why it didn't matter. Okay, it's just backup and there's a specific role for it and it's a very important role if you're, mainly if you're in a monolinguistic uh, environment. Okay, and the last thing was a computer. Now, I use Macs, but you can easily use PCs for this as well. Um, I love the Mac, but PCs have more advantage. Most students have PCs at home, Windows-based computers at home, than they do have uh, max. So that's what I used. Um, I used, I had two of each because the way I structured it, two groups were going simultaneously each week. Now, if you don't have the funds for it, just get one of each. If you don't have the funds for a camera, have them use their cell phones. That's fine. Whatever you can get, a lot of them will have, have um, or your schools might have still cameras that have film capabilities. It won't be as sharp of a movie, but it's still good. I used as high quality as I had a budget for because the higher the quality that they output it, the more motivation they have. If they feel like they're making professional or high amateur looking films, they're going to have a much higher motivation to continue on. Okay. If you don't have the equipment, beg, borrow, steal, okay? This is what I used. This, was, this is my office. We don't have a Mac lab, so they're in my office doing other editing. That monitor is probably 10 years old. That's not even my monitor. That's his monitor I stole from his office because he wasn't using it. I had another similar model uh, monitor right there. And then the nice computer, that was my computer. Now, the second semester, I used my laptop. I gave them that computer that they had, and they used. Now, you can't really see, but the monitors are attached to little Mac Minis, and Mac Minis are about $700. They don't come with a monitor or keyboard. So, again, the second Mac Mini, it's down on the bottom. It's his. I stole it from him. He borrowed it from him. Okay. So then the second year, I upgraded. Nice monitor. Still a Mini. Still hooked to a Mini. And then a G5. How did I? I didn't have a budget. A departing teacher left. That was his equipment. I rushed down and said, I need that equipment. They signed it to me. Okay, so look for computers that your school's not using. 
Okay? Look, do whatever it takes legally that you're allowed to. Try. Now, if you can't, ask your government what they can do for you. I'm not going to butcher Kennedy's quote. You have Title II funding, Title III funding, Title V funding. Okay, write a grant, grant proposal to get money. Title V innovative programs, Title III English language acquisition. I'm not going to read all that. You can find out this information online. Um, just title a uh, Google search. Title just do Title III funding. Um, title II enhancing education through technology. This is definitely technology. This is definitely English language acquisition. This is definitely an innovative program. If you don't have grant um, writing experience, someone in your department, someone in your school, if you're um, middle school or, or secondary, talk to your union rep. They might have some program that will teach you about grant writing. Or uh, post-secondary, I don't know if this is only for, for K through 12. Title 5 is cut for next year. So. What? Title 5 is being cut for next okay, year. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I've been out of the states for so long, I don't know. So, but there, there's alternative routes to go. Research that for where you can find funds to purchase this equipment. Okay? Time. 24. Which are you? So, all right. So, one of the things that you're going to need to do is budget the time for the students. The audio program was pretty simple. Um, what we did was they did the recordings outside of class, and I gave them generously class time to come in get through most of the stuff because the way I had this set up, my projects were due at midnight. I think they didn't have to give them to me. They had to put them up in the podcast feed and we'll talk about what companies I used in a minute. It's all free. Uh, they had to put it in the podcast feed. When I clicked refresh on my uh, iTunes the next morning when I came into work, it was there. If it wasn't there, they got a, they got a penalty for it. And because of the way that the ID tags work, um, I could tell what time they uploaded it. So there was no cheating because they didn't have any control over what time that ID file set. So. Okay, so that was telling. That was uh, for mine, since they had no experience uh, editing film, they had no experience in film whatsoever, uh, the first part of the semester was I took two, three weeks on just basic fundamental filmmaking. Uh, watched clips, talked about different lessons. Izzy Video, it's a podcast, and now he's charging for all his archives. But Izzy Video, uh, izzyvideo.com, is an excellent, excellent source. He makes uh, the basics of filmmaking very, very easily understandable for you and your students. Okay? Now, for what we did, I had them in groups of four or five. Each uh, person had a different role. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, automatic. They would film one week, the next week. <sighs> Keep going to edit the next week, and then they would prepare for the project the third week. Exactly. So they were always on a rotating schedule. Um, and the one nice thing about this is the students had a time limit. You only had the camera for one week. The next week you had computer time, but no camera. 
The third week, you had neither camera nor anything, so you were preparing for the next set. And so they had six groups, and so it was pre-structured when they could use the equipment when they couldn't. Now, that way again, nets you around 40 assignments per year. That's crazy, okay? I'm crazy. I'm, I'm a slave driver to my students. Work with whatever you have. If you have, if you have 24 students and you're new to this and they're new to this, have one group do one assignment per semester. If you have one camera, they do it. They, they edit, and then the next group, and then they're finished for their video assignment. And that's fine until you get your own video legs under you, and you can push it a little more, a little more. Now, I was working, if you were in here earlier watching the examples, I had high-level students. This year, I'm teaching lower-level students, and I'm slowing it down. Okay, so, again, don't try to fit this into your schedule. If, if it's impossible, work with whatever time you have. Okay? Organization. So these are the programs and these are the sites that I used uh, for the students. I didn't want the students just turning on the computer and saying, Hi, my name is Taro, and I'm going to talk about... Because nobody listens to radio like that. At radio always has a little something going on in the background to keep your attention attached to it. Uh, as I said, Audacity was our editing program, but the other things, oh, no, mine's good. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, the uh, music is very important for podcasting, and so these sites give you uh, the opportunity to get for free, not stealing, but really free, as long as you give credit to who wrote the music and who performed the music. Uh, Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com, um, because the bands are getting a little bit of exposure. That's the way to go. Oh, it's there? Yes. Beautiful. This is one of the clips. And my students would use this as, as what they call bed music, and they talk over it a little bit, just like I'm doing right now. And then on to CC Mixter. CC Mixter works very well for sound effects, things like door slamming or a spring going, things like that. And I'm pretty sure there's not an audio clip. No, good. Uh, I also required my students to release their podcast under a Creative Commons license. How many people are familiar with Creative Commons? Two, one. Okay, Creative Commons is like an alternative to copyright. Strictly speaking, when you put stuff out in copyright, nobody else can touch it, nobody else can use it. This allows people to have a, what they call a limited license. So they can change it, but they have to tell people how it was, well not how it was changed, but they have to tell people where it came from so that they can follow it back. And that was very important because generally we didn't use all of the music. We used just a little piece of it and I didn't want the bands and stuff to get really angry with me. So, um, this one does have a clip. This music is, uh, yes. This guy's name is Jeff Smith. I believe he is in New York, but I'm not positive. And he releases almost all of his music through Creative Commons so that people can use it so he can get his name out there. Eventually, you will hear from him. Um, PodsafeAudio.com is another place to get uh, free music really well. 
Magnitude.com, I like this one a lot because Magnitude also sells the music, so it gives you the option if your students want to buy the music for themselves, they can, or they can use it for free on their podcast. Uh, and again, all of these have a Creative Commons license. Uh, I know I'm going through it really fast, but I want to be able to answer some of your questions later on. So, for film, okay, we, I talk about putting them into groups of four to six. Uh, you do this to give them different roles. The different roles that I would give them, first would be the director. The director is in charge of the camera angles, uh, the controlling artistic vision of the project. There would always be a producer. The producer is in charge of making sure everyone gets there on time. Everyone is speaking English. Just uh, the boss of the whole show. Next one would be the editor. And really, the editor is the hardest job because it takes the longest. They say roughly for every minute of film, it takes about an hour to edit. Okay, so keep that under advisement. And uh, finally, the documentarian. And the documentarian would use that extra camera. Now the documentarian is very, very important. They are my eyes and ears of the shoot. They have the second camera and they're filming the behind the scenes, the making of. That's how I know they're using English outside the classroom to get this project done. They are my spy. And so I can watch the making of and say, okay, they're speaking 70%, they're speaking 50%, they're speaking 20% outside the classroom. Now for me, in Japan, monolinguistic community, even 20% English outside the classroom is a success. Huge. My students are speaking around 70 to 80. Now that's the high level. They have the skills to communicate with each other. But if they didn't have that camera there filming them, <laughs> zero. Now, if you're doing it in the States and you have a multilingual classroom, you don't really need the documentarian because you, you try to separate people from the same country into the groups as much as possible, as much as possible. And so that, but that greatly helps. You don't have to worry about it as much. If you have a large class and you want to do groups of six, the other two people will be in the crew, or they can be the actors, or the narrators, uh, whatever extra uh, roles or assignments you need. Okay, accountability. Quantity of language production. I have, and you have this in your handout, production uh, log sheet. So every day that they um, film or work on it, talk about it, they have to write it down. I have them write down how long they took, how much English they think they spoke, so they're self-assessing them themselves, and where they worked, whether it was in my office, whether it was off campus, where it was. And so it makes them accountable for this. I used to have the producer do it for the whole group, it works much better. You give one sheet to each student, and they're responsible for their own time. At the end of the week, you can collect them and just check each other's in the group and see. 
which you can skip. And so it's just your students' content in there, and they haven't dropped a second ad in any of the feeds. So this works great. It does take a few minutes. It does take a class, basically, to set up for all of the students because they're going through a native level uh, sign-up process. For, and if you've signed up for Yahoo, you know how confusing that can be even for native speakers sometimes. So it does take a lot of scaffolding to get them through the sign-up process for the but it does work for video as well. Okay, iTunes. iTunes, you don't store it on iTunes. Uh, they just send it out to the masses from wherever, from your SwitchPod account, your Podomatic, your own website, your school website, something like that. It's an aggregate. Uh, YouTube. I was afraid of YouTube when I first did it. But YouTube's great. I was afraid people would download it and change it. No one does that. What it has done was, I don't have the numbers on here. Yes, I do. YouTube. This is a lie, actually. Uh, this morning when I checked, it was 26,000 views of my, my class's 90 episodes. Uh, I also have my website, and the website feeds directly into iTunes. Uh, the feed, the numbers on that, from November when I started using stats, so from November to now, has been roughly 9,000 uh, viewings. Now that's just from November, so I've been doing it for a couple years now. So roughly at least 50,000 people have seen my episodes 50,000 times. That increases your students' motivation to put out quality work. So basically we're pretty much running out of time, so at this point, we do have to say thank you very much for coming and listening to us. We really appreciate it. We will be at the Vidmus uh, desk. Come by, ask us your questions. I'm sorry we put in. I lied again. We got to talk back. Thank you all. If uh, you need uh, any of the business cards or stuff, there's all this right And there's magnets here if you want the magnets. Thank <laughs> you.